Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah, very much indeed uh, for reading. Um, if you want to turn back to Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be uh, looking to begin with at least. And uh, welcome, can I join my welcome with, uh, with Keith uh, this morning. It is great to uh, be together uh, to worship, to pray, to praise, uh, to hear God's voice. And be reassured that I will not be taking my socks off and drinking anything through them, doing anything with them uh, this, this, this morning. Maybe another time, but not now, this morning. Uh, Brilliant. Well, look, we are embarking on an adventure. I don't know if you've been on adventures before. You anticipate. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know what it's going to take and where it's going to take you. But we are embarking on an adventure today as we start a series in Luke's Gospel. Uh, we are, uh, our plan is to work through this book uh, from start to, to finish. Uh, it may take some weeks, months, possibly years, because we'll have some breaks on the way to, to look at other parts of Scripture. Uh, but we are setting out this morning on uh, this this, this series entitled Jesus, Good News for All. And we've given it that title because this book is all about Jesus and Jesus is always good news. Uh, good news for you, good news for me, good news for our families, good news for our community, good news for our nation, good news for the world. It doesn't always feel like that, but Jesus is good news for all. And uh, uh, he is good news for our world. That's, uh, that was certainly his mission statement. Um, I forgot my clicker. Hang on a sec. So here's Jesus' mission statement. You'll find it in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus comes to bring freedom, restoration, renewal, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, or the year of Jubilee. That is the year uh, when slavery ended, when debts were cancelled, when the people would be liberated, when society would be transformed, uh, when relationships would be renewed. Uh, salvation is Luke's special word, uses it regularly in Luke and Acts, uh, to describe what Jesus has come to do. Jesus himself said, I have come, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. And at the heart of the salvation is, is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we saw that in the, in the second reading, just before Jesus returns to heaven. He said this, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. So what we've got in our hands is we've got Luke's gospel, we come to this, we've got a message uh, that will change the world, has changed the world, and continues to change the world as it changes lives one by one uh, through the preaching uh, of repentance and faith uh, through the work of Jesus. And I'm excited as we explore this together uh, over these coming uh, weeks, months, and possibly years uh, here at Christchurch. So let's pray as we begin this adventure this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is uh, uh, life-transforming. Uh, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Uh, we pray this morning as we uh, begin to look at this gospel that you would open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to meet with you, the living God, to be transformed and changed, to be reminded of things we already know, uh, to learn new things perhaps, to be uh, encouraged, convicted, challenged, whatever you want by your spirit to do in us. Uh, through your word. Do it now, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, so there's, there's huge amounts we could say, of course, is uh, uh, in an introduction about an, an overview of, of the Gospel of Luke. Some of you are scholars, you'll know more than I do probably. We could talk about the structure, we could talk about the, the content and, uh, and, the, and the themes. Um, there are many themes in Luke's Gospel that especially stand out, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, the importance of prayer, we were looking at it as staff team, and, and Emma particularly, as the worship pastor, picked out the, the joyful songs of praise that Luke includes, that other Gospels uh, don't. Uh, there's the initiative of God in salvation, uh, particularly in that chapter 15, and, and, and Keith mentioned the prodigal son, and, and the seeking, and going out, the shepherd who goes out. Lots of things what we'll discover in this Gospel. But as we begin here, I, I believe that God wants uh, us, as we come to Luke's Gospel, to to know, to, to know this. God wants us to be confident in the good news about Jesus. He wants us to be compassionate like Jesus towards all people. And he wants us to be committed to taking Jesus to all the nations. Confident about the gospel, compassionate towards all, committed to taking the good news out. Confident in uh, the good news about Jesus. Let's look at that to begin with. Whenever you come to any part of the Bible, what do you ask? You ask, well, why is this being written? Why is the author writing this? And, and Luke tells us straight away. Uh, there it is, tells us in uh, chapter 1. Uh, we had those four verses uh, written at, just at the words of the end, verse 3, middle of verse 3. He says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So I think Theophilus is actually a, a Christian man. He knows things about Jesus. He's been taught things about Jesus. But perhaps, like every Christian, he has some doubts. Is it really true? Can I really trust God? Uh, does he really love me? Is he even really there? Uh, all of us have doubts at times, don't we? Maybe he was being shaken in his faith uh, through the Roman persecution that was growing. Or maybe uh, Theophilus was facing his own personal struggles of illness or a health or old age or suffering. Uh, who, who knows? He's wondering if he can really believe what he's been taught. Whatever the exact context, we don't really know. And it is possible that Theophilus is, is a rhetorical figure. He is the lover of God. He's every Christian with all our bundles of doubts and questions and concerns and, and struggles. Whatever it is, here's the point. Luke is writing so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. You know, God wants us to be confident Christians. Confident in the good news about Jesus. Not arrogant, please. Not disrespectful to others not unwilling to listen to other points of view. That, that puts everybody off the gospel, if, if you meet an arrogant Christian. But God wants us to have a, a humble confidence in the gospel, which is rooted in the space and time events of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That is what God wants for us. You know, how we experience God now really does matter. Luke will tell us about the Holy Spirit, about ticking in the book of Acts. But a confident faith is not based only on our present experiences, because they vary enormously. 
You know, one day I feel terribly close to God. He, he's, he's, he's right there. Uh, and other times he feels absolutely distant. And, and, and of course he's not distant. He's right there just as much as he was the day before. But my experiences will vary. Uh, and so my confidence rests not in how I feel on a particular day, but in the certainty of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels. And Luke set out to establish that certainty. According to Paul, Luke is a medical doctor. He travelled with Paul. Uh, You can read about it in the book of Acts. And he's clearly a historian of his time. Uh, He's not the only one who drew up accounts. There were other people writing and talking about Jesus. Uh, But Luke has carefully investigated these things. Uh, He's spoken to and he's drawn together eyewitness events. It's pretty likely that Paul was, uh, Luke was with Paul for the two years that he was imprisoned in Jerusalem and Caesarea. And it's probably in those two years that Luke was in, he was in the vicinity, he was in the area, he was meeting and talking and researching uh, his gospel material. And so God wants us to be confident that what we have in Luke's gospel, that what we have in our hands is historical reliability. It is what really took place. Uh, in the New Testament as a whole, uh, that's a, it's so important for us uh, as, as Christians. The bedrock of our faith is, is being able to trust what is written in the scriptures. Maybe you'll be interested in... in um, in that taking things further, this is one, of the, one book I've, I've enjoyed, Can We Trust the Gospels? Peter J. Williams, he's a, uh, the principal of, of Tyndale House in Cambridge, a, a scholar, the other books and, and, and so on. If you want to think about this further, it's so important. God wants us to be confident in the good news about Jesus. Uh, and so he gives us this introduction in Luke's Gospel. He gives us solid accounts of the, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you were brave enough to go outside in the storm, Eunice, on, on Friday. Uh, I hope most of you were just staying away. Uh, I mostly watched and listened to it from my study. I had to go out a couple of times um, as I saw our large plastic bins being blown over and swept halfway up Christchurch Road, and I felt I'd better go and collect them and try and hide them away behind a, a, a fence. Uh, but I enjoyed watching the trees. You know, the trees, the wind was really strong. The trees were being buffeted and blown about. And, and, and anything fixed or wasn't fixed or solid was, was, was liable to be swept away. But the trees, they, I mean, they were swaying. There were bits flying off them. I've got branches and twigs and everything all over my garden now. Um, and I know there were a few pictures of trees, whole trees uprooted. But, but for the most part, those things that were fixed, the trees held firm in the high winds. And, and it seems to me that, that kind of God wants us to be like that as Christians. You know, we will be blown and battered by, by life, by questions, by doubts. I hope we'll be a church where you're able to voice and articulate your questions and, 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 and doubts. You, know, you have, to, have to bury those. They have to be shared and, and, and discussed. But, but God wants us to be like those trees, firmly rooted in his word firmly rooted so that when those winds come, we stand firm and are able to be confident Christians. And that does mean, of course, we've got to open the Bible. I mean, it's nice having it on the shelf. Sure, you've got one on the shelf, maybe on your bedside cabinet. You might have somewhere else. 
but if we're going to grow, if we're going to be strong, if we're going to put down roots, we're going to have to open it and read it and meditate on it and pray through it and, and, and discuss it and, and talk with others and, and put down roots deep in it to be confident Christians. That's the first thing, uh, particularly in, as we start in, in Luke's Gospel. Uh, uh, he, God wants us to be confident in the good news about Jesus. As we read through Luke's Gospel, I think, too, uh, God wants us to be compassionate like Jesus uh, towards all people. Uh, you may have noticed that, that only Matthew and Mark talk anything about Jesus' birth. Have you seen that? Of course, Mark, he, Mark dives straight into John the Baptist and announcing the Messiah is, has come and he's preparing the way. Uh, John has that wonderful sort of philosophical grand entrance where he talks about the eternal word being made flesh and dwelling among us. Uh, Matthew is written especially for a Jewish audience and, and so he, he focuses in on the genealogy that goes back to Abraham uh, he focuses on the fulfillment of scripture with uh, the Magi and Bethlehem and, and so on. Uh, Luke uh, takes longer to tell the story. And he emphasizes the, the humility and poverty of the, the birth of Jesus, of, of Elizabeth, childless, beyond childbearing age. Uh, he talks about Mary, this young, uh, unexpecting teenager. Uh, there's Jesus himself, of course, wrapped in cloth and placed in a manger. And then there's the lowly shepherds uh, on the margins of society being the first to hear the good news and who come to visit Jesus. It's this emphasis of humility and of compassion for the outsider that Luke especially emphasises, wants to draw to our attention in his gospel account. He wants us to make sure that we know that the good news is for all people. Not just for the strong, for the sorted, for the secure. In fact, often it's those kind of people that Jesus has his harshest or his hardest challenge and critique for, those who think they're sorted and, and secure and, uh, and strong. But it's the outsider, the weak, the, the marginalised, in the first century, that was the, the women, the, the children, the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the foreigners, who he seems to especially pick up in his gospel. Jesus moves towards them, and they are drawn to Jesus. So Jesus announces, chapter 4, that, that he's come to proclaim good news to the poor, to uh, bring freedom and restoration and renewal. And then Luke immediately starts telling stories about Jesus and the way he does that. A man with leprosy, untouched and uncared for, shunned by society, feared by people in case they should become unclean themselves. Uh, he comes to Jesus, and we read Jesus, full of compassion, reaches out and touches him. First human touch this man would have experienced. He touches him. And in a moment he is healed, restored, renewed. Uh, Jesus has compassion 
on this man. A paralyzed man next is, is forgiven and, and healed. A tax collector, not poor financially, but is marginalized and despised by Jewish society. Uh, he's next. Uh, he becomes a disciple. There's a, a Roman centurion, a foreigner. There's a, a prostitute. You know, Jesus reaches out. He, he goes where uh, and touches and, and, and embraces and welcomes uh, with a heart of compassion for, for those on the margin. And it's not just in that first part in Galilee where Jesus goes around. Uh, Luke records then from chapter 9, 51, there's a sort of shift from Galilee ministry to Jerusalem. Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. And, and on this journey, he, uh, he follows and he continues to, to be demonstrating that compassion, which is going to be fully be accomplished there in Jerusalem uh, on the cross. And in that, that, that uh, account of Luke of the, of the cross, you know, even as Jesus' nails are hammered into his hands and his feet, do you remember Jesus is praying for those rough soldiers who are doing the hammering? Uh, Father, forgive them. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. And then as he hangs on the cross, uh, as he is dying, as he is breathing his last breath, he's still ministering in love and compassion to those who are dying alongside him. That thief on the cross, do you remember? It's Luke who records this. Uh, he cries out to Jesus in a desperate prayer, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. He knows there's something about Jesus. He doesn't, I don't think he has a full Christology. He doesn't really understand fully who Jesus is. He knows something about him being a king. And, and he says, remember me, Jesus. And Jesus you remember those words? Beautiful words. Today, you and I will be in paradise together. What amazing words to hear on your deathbed. Because that's what that thief was. He was about to die. And he heard those wonderful words of Jesus. Jesus is compassionate towards all. And that's a reminder, that, that scene, I think, that it's never too late. Never too late to cry out to Jesus while there's breath in your body. Never too late to receive his forgiveness and his, his love only thing that can keep us from, from Jesus, the only thing that keeps us from his love is, is pride. It's our human pride, our refusal to admit our need, to think that we're strong or sorted or secure in ourselves. That will keep us away from Jesus. But when we admit our need, Jesus' arms are wide open. So if that's not you yet, Jesus is is watching and he's waiting, like the father in the parable that uh, we find in Luke 15 that Keith mentioned. The father who's watching and he's waiting and when he sees his son coming, he charges down to meet him and he throws his arm around him and he kisses him and he says, get her some sandals and a robe and a, kit and, 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 and a ring for his finger because this son of mine who was dead is now alive again. He was lost, he's now found. Let's have a barbecue, let's have a feast. And God is waiting. Jesus, is, that's his heart for us. For you, especially if you haven't returned yet. Even this morning you can return. And if Jesus is compassionate toward all, so God wants us who are followers of Jesus to be, have that same compassion towards all. That should mark us as Christians, as a church, uh, to be for the outsider, to welcome the needy, to love those on the margins. It's an attitude of the heart, and then we've got to work out what it means for us as individuals and as, as a church. Let's pray for that compassionate heart, and then for that to work out in practice. Confident in the good news, compassionate 
towards all, lastly and very briefly, committed to sharing Jesus with the nations. See, as Luke tells us about Jesus, it's clear he's compassionate for all and life-transforming, but it's also clear as you read this gospel that Jesus comes with authority to command, to commission, to direct his people. Jesus is wonderful in his love, but he's He's not to be mocked. He's not a pushover. He's not someone who, you know, we, we can just sort of play around with. Jesus comes to command and direct his people. And there's lots of ethical instruction from Jesus in this gospel. You read through it, uh, telling us how we should live in God's world. There's a call to obedience uh, that we need to hear and respond to. And the commission is a big part of the Gospel of Luke, and then the Book of Acts. And, of course, Luke wrote the Book of Acts. That's why we had the reading from, from both, because he wrote his first volume, which was the Gospel, and then his second volume, which was uh, uh, Acts. And, of course, both of these together uh, commission us, mandate us to, to, to go out with the Gospel. Chapter 10, uh, Jesus sends out the 72 into the harvest field of Israel. And then in chapter 24, Jesus commands his disciples to go out to the mission field, which is now all nations, uh, the world. I won't read those verses again, but there they are. This is what is written. The repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. And Luke, in his genealogy, so Matthew, remember, said the genealogy goes back to Abraham. Luke takes his genealogy back to Adam. Because Adam is the founder of the human race, not just of the Jewish people. And, and so he's reminding us that, that Jesus has come for the whole world, for all people. And so he's sending us out. You get the book of Acts, that, that second volume. Pentecost comes, the Spirit comes, the, the disciples go out, the adventure begins, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we ended with that last reading at the end of the book of Acts where Paul, uh, the apostle, is still preaching the gospel and he's in Rome, which is the centre of the known world, uh, ready for the gospel to continue to go out from there uh, to Spain and, and, and to the rest of the world. And all of church history since then tells the story of Acts chapter 29, which is not in the Bible, it is the story of the church going out from a beginning in the Middle East and North Africa, spreading to Europe and Asia and, and uh, the Americas much later and Sub-Saharan Africa and the Antipodes and, and, and we're still in Acts 29 in Surbiton and Berrylands uh, because the gospel continues to go out. It's still going forward. Uh, Luke's gospel is a missionary mandate. It's gospel imperative. Uh, keep going, keep going full of compassion. And so as we study Luke's gospel, uh, how will we know that we're really getting hold of what God is saying in Luke's gospel? It won't be that we sort of understand more about the historical context or about the the culture or about the structure of the gospel or even the the, the sort of themes that we understand them. Uh, No, how will we know? We'll know three ways. We'll know because we're growing in confidence as Christians in understanding of the gospel. And we should be praying for that. We'll know because we will be growing in compassion for all people. We'll be growing in our desire, in our hearts, become more shaped by the Spirit and more willing to go and serve others. And we'll be growing in our commitment to sharing that gospel with family, with friends, with uh, neighbours, with relatives. Uh, we'll be committed as a church to, to, to working out ways we can do that in Berrylands and Surbiton in supporting our mission partners to do it uh, across the world. 
So let's, let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray for ourselves and for one another, that we grow in confidence, that we grow in compassion, and that we grow in our commitment to seeing the gospel grow. I'm going to lead us in prayer in, in a moment. The musicians are going to come up uh, and lead us in a time of, of, of worship and praise and response. Uh, as we sing these songs, um, there's going to be uh, one or two members of the prayer team over in that prayer area. And uh, if there's things you want to pray about, maybe coming out of today, uh, maybe coming out of uh, something that's going on in your life, a burden you need to share, something you want to uh, uh, just have someone pray with you about, uh, do feel free as we're singing, and then for 15 or 20 minutes after the service, uh, to head over just to the, to the prayer corner and, um, and then ask for prayer, and there'll be members of the prayer team. We'd love to, to do that with you. Let me lead us in a prayer, and then we'll sing. Father, we thank you that you're a God who has spoken in your word. We thank you uh, indeed for Luke, who carefully researched under the inspiration of your spirit and wrote his, 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 his book that we might have that certainty of the things that, that we've been taught. Lord, help us to grow in our humble confidence in you, Lord. Help us to grow like Jesus in compassion move and shape our hearts to be like his. And then, Lord, give us a courage and a, a boldness to be committed in continuing to take this gospel out, the good news of Jesus, to all. Lord, do that work in our hearts, we pray. Do that in our church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.